0: Thank you for listening to this podcast one production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, podcast1.com and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
1: it's the first day of free agency we've made it we've survived we're all very distanced Uh, but uh, it's good to see all your smiling faces here this is the PFF forecast we have special guest our brother B. Gradkowski Bruce Gradkowski in the building how are you doing man
0: I'm doing great brother I'm just uh, enjoying all this activity you know as my wife watches the three kids and we just get to talk about football I love it
2: (laughs) what a setup.
1: Do you have the wife on, uh, on kid duty as well? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I was, I was, uh, I was trying, I told my daughter Madeline, I said, pretend like I'm at work and she's, you know, I don't (laughs) think, I don't think she really understood that.
1: Yeah. No one where I'm at seems to get that. Like the NFL still has news worth talking about, but, um, they, they came like hot and heavy, right? Like I kept expecting free agency to get pushed back and it was like the deals kept coming in at such a rate there's also, well, they can't really stop it now. Like it's sort of like an avalanche. Um, Bruce, let's, let's start with this. I'm super curious. You have been on the other side of this. You've obviously talked to players that have been in various situations that are similar to the ones we've seen. So when you see this news start to trickle in, what are some of the things that you know are going on behind the scenes that help you build a frame of reference?
0: Well, it's so exciting as a player. And I've been through this about three times Uh, When I was a restricted free agent with the Raiders, that's when they have to make a decision. What tender are they going to give you? And at that time, I was a second round tender. And this is the first time I made a significant amount of money. So when I heard I was going to get second round tendered, that was one point six million. And so for me, I'm like, wow, I'm like, that's that's (laughs) unbelievable. You know, and then uh, and then a few and then what a year later, I was a free agent uh, and this time I can now talk to other teams and pick my destiny. But that was in 2011 for the lockout. But, you know, it's same thing. You know, it's very exciting. You're talking to your agent about what he's hearing, possible uh, places you can go, who you're talking to. And at the end of the day, it always comes down to really, you only have a, a team offering a contract, you know, and you always want two or three teams in the mix to drive up the price. But I was in a situation where I really only had one legit offer. I had a few other teams interested as like they're, you know, a number one A or one B or C if that doesn't or if their first guy doesn't work work out. But it's such a it's such a fun time. And when I signed with Cincy, I signed a two year deal. And after those two years, I was a free agent again. And that's when I signed with the Steelers. And same thing, man, it's, it's honestly, it's like why you play the game, just to be a free agent and see what's going to happen and the activity. Uh, so coming into like today at noon, you kind of have an idea of the teams you're talking to. And just like that, my agent will call me and say, hey, you're heading to Pittsburgh. you got a physical. We're dealing with a three-year deal, you know, $5 million, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then you, then on the way to Pittsburgh, I start getting nervous about, oh, man, I, I,
1: I got to pass this physical. I hope something <laughs> doesn't happen. <laughs> Do you, oh, so, here was one thing that I was curious about. And Eric, you've been doing a great job following up on a lot of these things that sometimes get you know pushed on their rumors. You know, they're just a rumor, right? Like we saw the Teddy Bridgewater, you know, to, to Chicago rumor go out there. We saw I heard on ESPN, Um, Jeff Darlington talking about, okay, well, who's interested in Tom Brady? And what I'm trying to think about is who is, who is giving them this information? Is this coming from an agent? Is it coming from a team? And I think, so when you hear news that comes out, that's just rumors, do you say, oh, this came from an agent or this came from a team? Is there a way to tell?
0: I think, well, I think for me, you know, you always have to look because of course agents Want to get out, get it out there that their, you know, players are talking to multiple teams. So then, if there is a possibility of a few other teams in the mix, they hear that. But a lot of times, too, you have to have good relationships. I know my agent in the past wasn't big on trying to, you know, adhere uh, like false news out there. It, it wasn't about that because at the end of the day, you want those relationships in house, and if you don't have some realistic. Uh, leverage or, or competition out there? Why even try to stir something up? And I, I think at times it's probably both, you know, sometimes it's agents, sometimes it's personnel, people, coaches that are in the facilities that they have relationships to. And if you're on the media side of things, I have a couple buddies, you know, you, you have relationships with coaches, you have relationships with agents and you're trying to do the best job to really distinguish. Is this real news or is he just trying to, you know, have me throw something up on the news station. Yeah. Uh, so, so I could get my guy, you know, his, his guy more clients or, or more opportunities.
2: Yeah. Or even it's sort of weird. I think about like the Bridgewater thing, which was clearly a bit overzealous and you wonder if you're Trubisky, right. And like <clears throat> it, it goes from, you know, Teddy's coming in to take your spot to Dalton or Foles is coming in to compete with you. You almost sort of, if you're the bears, go from one thing to the other you, you Mitch goes from being like really irritated to oh at least I still have an opportunity you're sort of almost even playing mind games with the players that are still there yeah yeah
1: he's got to be in a weird spot right now let's <laughs> let's let's transition to this
2: so no, I'm i more weird than the positioning of his football when he throws left
0: <laughs> I, I, I think honestly with Chicago, I think Dalton's the best choice. I don't know if that's something that's going to turn out, but I just I could see Andy in Chicago.
1: Now, he, so he has done traditionally he has run a high rate of RPOs in, in the offenses that he's had success in. Obviously, that's something that's a staple of that you know, read tree, right? That seems to be something that he would be good at throwing kind of quick, there's so much quick game. Obviously, Mahomes has the deep ball capability, but what people don't realize is they rely heavily on a tremendous quick game. Um, so I'm inter- I'm curious that you, you said Dalton, why him over over Bridgewater? Well, I just think his relationship with Bill Lazor. You know, laser was the OC
0: and Cincy for a little bit. I think they built a good relationship. And myself playing with Andy Dalton, He's more of an accurate passer than Teddy Bridgewater. And I I like Bridgewater, but I think Dalton, to me, is more sound and can can actually be more consistent for me as a passer than Teddy Bridgewater. I think Bridgewater would have been good, too, in that offense, but I think Dalton actually would be better. I'm not sure if that's the route they'll go. I see some things about Nick Foles. But honestly, out of Nick Foles, Bridgewater, and Dalton, I think for the Bears it would be Dawn. He's very smart. He's accurate. He can manage your offense. He's not going to be that, you know, guy that is just going to take over all these games, but if he has pieces around him, he's going to execute and he's going to be accurate.
1: Defend yeah, as, yourself, Eric.
2: As much as I like Bridgewater, I do think that that's it's not a it's not a bad take. I mean, Dalton in 2018 had a pretty good year before he got hurt. Um, you know, he, he's obviously more healthy, you know, in terms of, uh, he didn't have a catastrophic knee injury. I think his arm strength is probably a little bit better. That being said, Bridgewater sort of is always this sort of unknown, right? Like people are yeah. might gravitate towards that because they, you know, they saw him emerging as sort of a franchise quarterback in Minnesota. They, and he got the, you know, sort of unlucky. Whereas Dalton is sort of run his course. Now, if you're the bears and you look at that NFC North and say, well, the green Bay Packers aren't that good. Uh, Minnesota, I think is going to burn this thing down pretty soon. And Detroit stinks like maybe all you need is Dalton to sort of get you to nine, 10 wins and help you compete for that division only two years uh, after winning 12. Right. So Bridgewater might be a a higher risk,
1: uh, but Dalton might have a lower ceiling is sort of the way I see it. It almost seems like right now, Chicago's in, like save face, you know. There's a lot of teams that are that are trying to win a Super Bowl right now. But signing Andy Dalton, whether he's the best fit or not, out of that trio, that's not a oh, we're trying to go win a Super Bowl move, right? That's a hey, we want to not be embarrassing anymore. We don't yeah. want the, the first data point that the broadcast puts up to be how few points we've scored in first halves, right? Which was like basically all that you know they talked about every Bears game. So uh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Let, let's let's go with this. There've been a bunch of big moves. I'm curious, what is the the most important one that's happened so far? Uh, Eric, you can start.
2: Oh, that's um, the most important. Is it got to be the Tennessee Titans deciding that Ryan Tannehill's their quarterback? You know, uh, I would say Dak Prescott, but I think like all all their franchise tagging him does is kick the can down the road. Um, You know, if you exclude quarterbacks from it, it's got to be the Hopkins trade, which is probably one of the funnier uh, sort of compensation packages we've ever seen for what is truly
1: a superstar player. Okay, let's let's stick with Tennessee because I I like that one. So let let me ask you this: you you signed Tannehill. Why would you sign him instead of just franchise tagging him? Like, what what's the calculus behind it that makes that the logical move?
2: Well, they think that. Derrick Henry is a huge reason why uh, Tannehill was successful. And, you know, in, and the, the funny, the, so the hard part is, and again, this is not how we think, but it's how I am assuming team people that run teams think if Tannehill regresses next year and you don't bring back Derrick Henry, now you are on, you look like a fool because he was the re whereas Tannehill could regress for a number of reasons. None of them have anything to do with the running back, but if he does, which is pretty likely given how good he was a season ago and you don't bring back the running back, it looks really bad, right? Like that's not how we think, but I I'm pretty sure that that's how they think. And so um, I, you know, of the moves they could have made, which is like signed both the long-term deals. This is clearly better. And I think like they don't believe that they can come out of this without Derek Henry. Now we don't necessarily believe that. So, you know, they don't have two franchise tags to give out, but the truly best move would have been franchise tagging Ryan Tannehill and taking your chances on it on a different running back.
1: Why wouldn't the best move have been signing Brady and like, regardless of what you do with Derek Henry, why wouldn't you just give money to, to Tom Brady? I, like, well, it was something we're not seeing about Tom Brady that that caused a team like the Titans to go with Ryan Tannehill. What do you think, Bruce?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I think I'm on. I was a big believer during this process that I would have signed Ryan Tannehill back because of the fact that of the longevity of it. I think what Mike Grable's trying to build over there, yes, Brady, probably with his mentality, his leadership, his knowledge of the game, and just being Tom Brady, what he brings to that locker room would be pretty special. But I also think what Tannehill and the Titans did this year was pretty special. And you could continue to build on that. I mean, Tannehill was our number one graded passer this year. And just watching him play, and you could tell he was playing with a confidence – of a guy that had a coaching staff that believed in him, had a locker room that believed in him. So for Tannehill, this was the best thing that could have happened to him. I think for the Titans, they're taking the chance on the longevity of it um, and also thinking, look, Derek Henry, we franchise tag him. It's not as much as, is you know, you know people think where it's not a bad deal. Now, H- Henry's probably a little ticked off. He wants a long-term deal. Um, but it's going to be interesting. to think I, I just think with Tannehill, I like that move with Brady. It would have been cool for for a few years. But now you're looking again for your next quarterback. And now in this situation, they're locked into Tannehill for a good little time.
1: Yeah, man, it's tough, right? Like Eric and I talked about this the last time. Tannehill was tremendous this year throwing when he was under pressure. He had a 90 plus pass rating. It's fantastic. Over 10% of his throws were big-time throws when he was under pressure. It's un, unheard of. But he also led the league in percentage of the time that he took a sack. And it, there's so many things with him that are either high variance, like making throws under pressure, or that really are a, a like a harbinger for bad things, just taking sacks. It, those are like two things that Tom Brady, you're not worried about, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't but know. But there's a
0: few times... There's a few times this year, though, like Brady, when when there's someone around him, he is like, oh, my gosh, I can't get hit. My legs are going to fall off or, you know, so he looked really frail at some time.
2: It, or it was, some that because time. was open.
0: <laughs> True.
2: <laughs> but but if you're if you're Tennessee, I so here's all in a in defending the going with Tannehill over Brady. I think if you're Tennessee, you look at the AFC and you think to yourself. Are we really, if Brady comes in and has like a Brett Favre, like Minnesota 2009 season, are we still, are we good enough to compete consistently with Baltimore and Kansas city? I think is really their question. And I, I can somewhat forgive them for saying no. Um, Even though I don't necessarily agree with that. I do think that if they would have had Brady and Brady played, Uh, you know, to his potential, they probably would have been uh, in the running to be in that top group in the AFC. Part of me thinks that they're thinking to themselves, okay, let's play the long game. Let's see if we can get a quarterback that's sort of our quarterback for a while and, and have him grow, you know, in this, in this situation. Now, our opinion of Tannehill is likely that he's going to regress. And so you know, they should have, they should have struck while the iron was hot with Brady, but that's probably where they're coming from at it from is looking at the AFC and thinking to ourselves, like, you know, the, we have, we're, we're competing against two young quarterbacks who are amazing. And, and, you know, this is a stopgap measure even enough.
0: Well, now in this division too, they're thinking, okay, the, the, the team that makes the, the least dumb yeah. <laughs> decisions can have a chance I mean Bill O'Brien like
1: man come on dude yeah let's let's talk about that one. I, I thought this was uh, the most important move I, I thought it it really hurt uh, the Houston Texans a team that was in that position where they are trying to make moves to become a Super Bowl contender right you would have figured addressing some things on the coverage side uh, would have really helped. Uh, maybe on the offensive line as well. So they give up DeAndre Hopkins. Basically it's DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, They get back David Johnson. They also get what a second round pick or something like that out of the deal. But um, is there any, there's no way this makes sense, right? I'm not like, I haven't heard one person aside from, I think Mike Tannenbaum say that he thought this was a win-win. Am I missing something? Or is this just like one of the dumbest moves I've ever seen?
2: Well, I don't, I just, it's one of those where we've talked about this before when it came to Beckham and it came to Brown and, and, you know, receivers who are really good. Sometimes there's a little bit of a diva to them. We're seeing Stefan Diggs on Twitter, uh, sort of troll the entire world. The, the hard part is that it sounds like, it sounds like O'Brien and Hopkins didn't get along. And as you know, somebody who, you know, is, is manages a lot of people, there's a difference between somebody who's a problem like, you know, hits women or doesn't show up to games, all that kind of stuff. And somebody who's attention, right. Somebody who comes off in the sideline and complains about how he's being used and somebody who comes off, you know, and doesn't get along with everybody. Right. And I feel like sometimes these coaches will trade somebody when they make them uncomfortable. And I think that that's probably a sign of poor leadership. And that's, I think what happened here. And Because all this looks like is desperation, desperation to get rid of somebody. uh, Because there is, there absolutely did not win the value of this trade. I mean, Hopkins generates probably more war in one season than a second round picks going to accumulate on average during the four years of his deal. So, you know, or David Johnson added in or David Johnson added in. So to me, this looks like a situation where Hopkins and Bill O'Brien didn't get along for probably a plethora of reasons. O'Brien looked for uh, an instance to get rid of him and did and forgot to get a ton of value in, in, in his stead.
1: DeAndre Hopkins was the second has been the second most valuable wide receiver over the past five seasons. And that trounces anything close to what David Johnson or if you even took the best running back every season of those five seasons would even come close to to come, uh, you know, to summing to Bruce. I'm curious, though, what Eric just described is that does that happen way more often than we think and, you know, on the outside looking in?
0: Absolutely. I mean, guys, I I finished my career with Antonio Brown in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was there for four years and I saw Mike Tomlin be the best manager of people I've ever been around. I mean, we could talk about X and O's and schemes and and details all we want. But at the end of the day, if you can't manage these superstars, you're going to be an average team. I mean, look how the Steelers were this past season. I mean, Tomlin did a f- phenomenal job with Ben getting hurt. They didn't have the weapons offensively. Le'Veon Bell not there, Antonio Brown, Martavius Bryant. You know, Tomlin did such a good job in that period with Martavius Bryant, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, of managing so many different personalities, so many unique personalities, but their skill sets are also unique and very special and when you see guys like Adam Gase go to the dolphins and trade away Jarvis Landry, and then you see something like this, Bill O'Brien trade away Deandre Hopkins. I mean, Watson man, 28 big time throws 20 plus yards downfield. Second to uh, Russell Wilson. So this guy, that's what he does. He extends place. He is a guy that makes big time throws downfield and now you take away Deandre Hopkins It kind of scares me a little bit. The only thing I will say is this year, Watson, six games he graded uh, 80-plus grade for us. And there's three games where he graded 50 and below. And um, the only thing I can think of is, is Bill O'Brien really going to try to manage him more and try to just take it off his plate? But at the end of the day, I don't think they'll win as many games.
1: I I just Uh, remember... That every time that the Texans had like a high leverage third down, fourth down, and they would put DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. And Eric and I have watched enough games together that when that would happen, if we were betting on the other side, which has happened in the past with the Chiefs and that in that Texans Chiefs game um, and you saw Hopkins in the slot, you just knew it was over. You knew he was getting yeah. open. So either something crazy was happening or they were going to pick up that first down. and that. I've got to imagine. So I can't imagine that Bill O'Brien makes this deal without saying, hey, Deshaun, is this cool with you? And <laughs> right. I can't imagine Deshaun Watson being like, yeah, man, it's cool. I, you know, I don't need that guy anyways. I can throw it to, to you know, anybody and they'll, they'll catch it. I, w- which one of those, like, it didn't happen?
2: Yeah. Hey, guys, I think that we have a contender for the worst trade of the day, though. Uh-oh. And it's going to make you pretty happy, George. I I know, I know what this is. I just saw it. The Colts have traded the 13th overall pick to the 49ers for DeForest Buckner. Wow. That seems steep. I feel like the Chiefs should be asking for a top 10 pick now for Chris Jones. Bring
1: bring me the Lombardi trophy.
2: (laughs) I (laughs) That's so excited. That's so I, I, the, are the Colts a mark? This is bad. The Colts are normally
0: well run. The Colts were in a good position with how things unfolded today so
2: far before then. Yeah. So they must, so it must be a situation. It must be a situation where they're getting Rivers then, right?
1: You got to think. Because, but so, okay, let me push back on this for a second because you get Phillip Rivers. Whoop-de-doo. That's great. Okay. the, The Chargers were not a bad team. All right. It's not like you're getting, a guy that is transcendent at this point. Philip Rivers is average. You're only going to get him for a few years. So you, you're going to pay DeForest Buckner a ton of money to, to, to play in the middle of the defensive line instead of addressing an area that you desperately need in one of the most wide receiver-rich drafts out there. Uh, to me, this makes zero sense whether you're trying to win now or trying to win in five years. I, I don't get it.
2: Interesting though, for the Colts, right? Because they were that, that pick 13 and pick 14 were, were considered by many to be the Herbert and Jordan love picks. Now, I mean, I don't think San Francisco is going to pick one of those quarterbacks there. So now you got to think to yourself, are, are more teams in the league coming to our opinion on these two, the third and fourth best quarterbacks in the draft and that they're not worthy of top 15 picks because, you know, the, that was a situation where it would have made a lot of sense for them to take a veteran and then draft one of the younger guys there. They might be more congruent with what we say, which is get yourself a Jalen Hurts. Get yourself a Tyler Hundley, a, a Anthony Gordon, Josh Love later in the draft than actually using a first round pick on one of these dudes.
1: Or, or maybe the Niners are in a position now to trade down from 13 when Justin Herbert is still on the board when Jordan love is still on the board, pick up a couple of picks and I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little excited here as a, it's a good good trade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you should be happy.
0: Well, and you know, and I think about that though too, because I am kind of like you guys in a sense of, I would, I would much rather than see sign of Phillip rivers, Instead of taking a chance, I mean, you could do both, right? Sign Rivers and then, you know, draft a dude in the first round. But, man, with those two guys and Herbert and Jordan Love, I just don't think, you know, at that point, man, I, I just think you could get more value somewhere else than those quarterbacks you're trying to take a chance on. Because I've seen them play. And, and. I mean, they, they could be good in the future, but they're not going to be good now. And then you bring Rivers in, who remember, he was teamed up with Frank Wright in 2014. And that was the year, you know, uh, Rivers had five consecutive games as a, a passer rating of 120. You know, first time since 1960 for a guy to do that. So if, if Frank Wright seems just to have, have the touch with quarterback because he played the position, Carson Wentz, his rookie year three hundred what, seventy nine passes or something, uh, a rookie record, uh, a consecutive uh, or completions. I mean, not consecutive.
1: That'd be a lot. That was, <laughs> but, that's an incredible season. right there. <laughs> But,
0: but you know, I just think Frank Wright knows how to deal with quarterbacks and he's a, he's a good game planner, I feel like. So I would I, I want to see this match. I want to see Rivers go to Indy. He's indoors. It can help his arm and his body at this point in his career.
2: Plus, the well, defenses the, in the AFC South suck. Like, yeah, well,
1: it's. I mean, the, the it, Texans just got dramatically worse, right? Yeah. So, and the, the Texans and, got dramatically worse. You expect regression from Tannehill. And um, the Titans, Titans defense is bad. And so, but and, but then you take a 13th pick and you get a, a guy that plays on in the interior defensive line in 2020, which, like, makes about as much sense as buying out all the toilet paper right now.
2: Yeah. It, so. That, that's an interesting one. Now the question, because I don't, I don't want to make this chief centric at all, but Chris Jones is clearly better than Buckner. He's on the franchise tag right now. Do you think, I mean, DeForest Buckner is making 21 million a year now in the extension, like there's no way Kansas city can afford Jones now. And there's no way, but it's, it puts him in a sticky situation because there's no way they can afford him. And unfortunately now there's they're, they're going to be unsatisfied with like a, I, I figured Jones would go for a bottom half
1: of the first round top half, of the second round pick if You got a first round pick for Chris Jones. You be would be amazing. Absolutely. Just, you'd be stoked. So uh, to me, this makes um, very little sense for the Colts. Right, let's, let's stick with that, that Hopkins uh, Johnson trade though, and talk a little bit about the Cardinals. So the Cardinals are in probably the best division in football, but they now have a really dynamic quarterback and they all of a sudden have traded in a running back (laughs) for a top three wide receiver. So now they've got Larry Fitzgerald who can still do things now, especially now that he's not the number one guy. They have DeAndre Hopkins and they have a top 10 pick who maybe it's an offensive tackle, but maybe it's Henry Ruggs, the third Am I crazy for getting pretty excited about this?
2: No, I think you're not. I mean, th- that's the other thing is like, you know, good on San Francisco for seeing this and being like, we need to get better fundamentally, because if you look at that division, Arizona's going to be pretty good
1: and be, be careful. We're going to take a guard at 13
2: <laughs> and then Los Angeles, the Rams you know are not going to be a 4 and 12 football team. They're going to be competitive like they were a season ago. I don't think they're going to be good, but they'll be competitive. And obviously Seattle's never going to go anywhere with Russell Wilson. So this is probably the best division in football and it gets even better I think if Arizona enhances what they have in Murray. I was looking over Arizona Cardinals offensive line last night and it was like, "Oh, this te- this was actually not I mean, it was passable, right? They played them they played a lot of games together. They weren't They weren't a complete dumpster. And the, the, I think the worst thing the Cardinals could do is, is not try to enhance the wide receivers that they're going to end up having um, because they could be really tough to defend.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I look at Kyler Murray, right? I mean, uh, his, his grade 20 plus yards downfield, 92.8, 20 big time throws. I mean, he's rating that range of, of Deshaun Watson. And now you bring in uh, D hop, man, I mean, that's that's at least 10 more big time throws for you downfield and especially how Kyler Murray can move around and extend plays like uh, Deshaun Watson was able to. This this is going to be great for that offense.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I remember watching. I watched a decent number of Cardinals games. And if you look at, like, for example, their um, their target and attack zones that that our buddy Timo has has put together it's one of the most somber, uh, so, uh, sorry, sobering sights that you'll ever see. Like, it's really sad. They just throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage and like, you know, he scrambles around and then kind of throws a hail Mary at the sideline. But DeAndre Hopkins is the kind of guy who, when you have to do that, he's exactly who you want. Cause no other guy has caught more passes on the sideline than he has. I mean, that's what he can bring to that team. Uh, to me, this is, this is exactly the trade you like go to bed on Christmas Eve dreaming about and, and hoping is they're waiting for you in the morning. And I, 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 for the Cardinals, like this, the Cardinals are not a team that makes a ton of really savvy moves, right? That's not what the Cardinals are known for. So for this to just be dumped in their lap, I feel like is a potentially kind of franchise turning around move that look, maybe Kyler Murray forms the type of chemistry that Deshaun Watson had with DeAndre Hopkins. And they stick together for, you know, five more years.
2: Yeah. This isn't a Arizona Cardinals are brilliant situation, right? We've, we've gone over this before with like the Oakland Raiders winning an award for trading Khalil Mack. This is a, the Texans are a Mark and they just happened to stumble upon the information that everybody else had, which is they can really steal players from, uh, from tech, the Houston Texans, but hopefully um, you know, they, they can continue to make smart moves uh, you know, because there's so much opportunity for them now um, having, you know, improved enough last year, but not improved so much. They're out of the top 10. Uh, there's a really a lot of things they can do, uh, to enhance, uh, their roster moving forward.
1: Bruce, was there another move that's, that stuck out to you or maybe a move that hasn't happened that you were like, man, this could really, this could shake things up.
0: I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Tom Brady. I mean, and I know we all are. I don't think his market is as big as when Peyton Manning, you know, when that came out that that year where he was a free agent. Which I'm surprised because Peyton Manning so, had the neck
1: be- injury. What should should it be? As uh, should it not be bigger? I mean, are there less question marks? I yes. I would think it should be bigger. That's what
0: I'm saying. Like Peyton Manning was coming off a neck injury, and you know he had at least five or six teams legit visits to. Um, But I think right now it's going to be interesting. I I want to see if this happens to to Tampa. I know they're going after him hard. I talked to Rick Stroud from Tampa Bay. He covered, you know, the Bucs when I was there. He still does. And um, I mean, he thinks, you know, they're going after him hard. Now, Brady in that offense, Bruce Arians offense, you got to remember, Josh McDaniels is so good at finding mismatches and really nitpicking defenses apart, where I feel like Bruce Arians, it's his system. You got to execute it. You have to know what to do. We're going to push the ball down the field. Can Brady have the patience, the poise, to sit in the pocket and wait a tad longer for those guys to come downfield? But look at the weapons he's going to have around him with Evans, Godwin. I mean, Perryman, if they could sign him back, and and O.J. Howard, so... I think for Brady, it would be awesome. And then you're in the hot weather. I think Bruce Arians too, just knowing him, uh, man, that would be going from exactly living in Boston and living in Tampa, living in miserable weather to the sunshine. That's going from that head coach to the other, because that's Bruce Arians is a
2: player type coach. Well, not only that, but you look at the, the other side of the ball too. Todd Bowles, Took that team. I know they were like twenty eighth in points allowed, but they were top ten in yards per play allowed, expected points allowed. I mean, Jameis really saddled that team a lot, and that defense played pretty well. Um, And and they they've drafted players, they've kept Barrett and JPP around, now with Devin White, uh, a lot of defensive backs in the secondary. So they're actually closer to a complete team than I think people realize. And then you look at that division. Uh, you know, the saints, I don't think are going to get any better. And, and they're certainly not getting any younger. Uh, you know, Carolina looks by all accounts to be rebuilding. And then the Atlanta Falcons just traded a second round pick for Hayden Hurst. So we're, you know, there, there's, there's a decent amount there. If you're Brady and you look at Tampa Bay and you think to yourself, where are the elite teams in the NFC? And the answer is aside from San Francisco, there aren't any. And, and so, you know, whereas in, in the AFC, you have Kansas City and Baltimore to contend with. I think it makes a lot of sense for Brady to like Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, I, I just can't get over. I mean, the warm weather is one thing, but Tampa, it's not Miami, right? There's a big there's a big difference there. So uh, it would be it would be really shocking to see him go there. I do think, though, that that offense, despite it being very different than what people believe Tom Brady is, he's always been a tremendous thrower of the intermediate pass. And there might not be two receivers that you want more on the receiving end of your of your throws than Mike Evans and Chris Godwin when you are throwing between 10 and 20 yards downfield. And that is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do. Maybe there's a part of Tom Brady that's like, hey, you think I'm just checked down Tommy? Fuck you. I'm going to yeah. go to Tampa Bay. No one thinks I'm going to go to Tampa Bay. I'm going to be – it's going to be like Chris Paul in OKC, right? My family's not coming with me. I'm going to train. I'm going to sleep, and I'm going to go out and dominate, and I'm going to show you guys exactly what you were sleeping on. I, I just think he needs – I just want to see him go somewhere, right? That, me that's too. What need we need a, a refresher uh, in, in the NFL and that's like I think one of them that would be pretty cool I, I want to well sorry no
0: I mean George to piggyback off you I absolutely want to see him somewhere else because I want to see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady separate for a season yeah. because both those guys would be wanting to win so bad to prove who really was the goat New England So I'm with you, man. And I would love to see with Bruce Arians in
1: Tampa. I think it'd be fun. One of the things. So I thought, you know, the, the Texans Cardinals trade was up there. But to me, the biggest story from a macro perspective with just kind of what we should take away as far as what you do in the league to win Super Bowls is what's happening to the Dallas Cowboys right now. They prioritized a running back and running the football with two years left on a contract. And are now in a position where they had to tag their franchise QB we, with no no, no one in the background, right? They don't have a guy that they can go like, hey, if you want to leave, we've got this guy who's great, ready to take your spot. They don't have that, right? They have no leverage with Dak. And they now have Amari Cooper on the open market where everyone and their mother is going to be coming trying to pay him top dollar. It, to me, they have screwed themselves out of a A possible you know super Bowl contending team because this this could get ugly really quickly,
2: yeah, absolutely. I think you look at um you know just the the way things regress right I mean Jalen Smith was a top five player at his position one year, and by by the nature of you know injuries, how they affect defensive players, but also just game script he he becomes kind of an afterthought last year. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, a similar thing when you're not ahead all the time, you can't pass rush as well. And, you know, the, all, and all of those things come back to the quarterback and how he performs and is similarly with the running back. I mean, if you're not ahead, then no one really gives a crap that Z can run a game out. And, and it just seems like they've gotten this entire thing backwards. And unfortunately now the bill's coming due and, you know, in an NFC East, that's really right for the picking they're I don't know if they're going to be able to compete. I mean, I think, you know, Philadelphia will continue to be smarter than them, if not, you know, even though they're half as talented.
0: No, I agree with you. I mean, it, it is crazy because it brings so much um indecision into the locker room as far as we saw what Washington went through when Kirk Cousins went through this. I mean, look, man, you know, if you feel like you got your guy, just get it done with, pay him and move forward. Um, and, you know, it just brings me back to Brady in a sense of how interesting and do you think it would even make sense if the Giants went after Brady Brady just because of that relationship there now with the new head coach?
1: Wow. I think it would make sense for the Giants. I think it would make sense, honestly, for the Cowboys, given that they seem to have just no idea what they're doing. Like everything is just kind of the new decision. The Giants would be really interesting because – I can't see any reason why Tom Brady would go to the New York giants. I mean, regardless of what they do at the top of the draft, they're one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Right. Whereas like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have probably, you know, three to four players that are, you know, would be the best at any position on the giants. So um, I would see more looking at a team that is a dark horse that we haven't thought about, but has a roster that's decent. Um, what, what is interesting about the Cowboys, though, when they traded Amari Cooper for a first round pick, people yelled and moaned and whined when Eric and I said we'd rather have the first round pick. And now I sure as hell would rather have the first round pick because, I mean, are they just going to end up making him the highest paid wide receiver and then they're going to have signed their running back, their defensive lineman and then their wide receiver in that order? all before their quarterback. I mean, I, I just can't get over how ass backwards that is. Like it, it makes literally, it just shows that they are just sometimes where people have no plan.
2: Well, and that's the point is that it's a lack
1: of a plan. You know, it's sort of like how,
2: you know, the Tannehill thing, it's like, well, okay. It, it is consistent thematically with the plan the Titans have. Right. And hence, I think it's a bad decision, but it's not the worst decision I've ever seen. Whereas when you have something like what the Dallas Cowboys have done, it lacks a structure. And so you you sort of glue all these decisions together and you end up with some, this, like this big blob of nonsense, and that's going to keep them from winning football games. Um, You know, that's the tricky part. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with this, the Colts and this Buckner trade, like the Colts have been pretty disciplined, pretty smart, pretty everything with the way that they've dealt with big money contracts. I mean, look at what they paid Justin Houston. It was an absolute steal. Uh, they traded back in the draft. Um, they've done a really good job with things. And then all of a sudden they trade the 13th overall pick for an interior defensive lineman, right? Like to me, those things are so disappointing because they don't, they, they seem to go that be the antithesis of the plan. Like with Dallas here, it's clear that they don't have a good thematic plan. And so you sort of expect a lot of these things to happen. And then you're always sort of a, I think rightfully skeptical whenever they do something like trade a first round pick for Amari Cooper.
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, let's get out of here uh, on this. This is probably the weirdest free agency. I don't know, Bruce, maybe you can remember one that was weirder, but right. The the situation under which this free agency is happening is super, super weird in your mind. What's the biggest impact of everything that's going on outside of football with coronavirus and all the shutdowns? And what's the biggest impact this is going to have ultimately uh, on free agency?
0: Well, the the only thing I think of is in 2011, when I was a free agent with the Raiders, it was the lockout. And unfortunately, now we're dealing with a crisis across not only the country, but the world right now. That's very unfortunate. And, you know, people now because I own a restaurant and and a hospice company. And right now you're talking about people's livelihoods that. It's a trickle down effect. Right. If my restaurant, if we have to close because of this, you have cooks, waitresses, servers that now live paycheck to paycheck. And what are they going to do? And then all of a sudden you can't pay rent. And then all of a sudden the builder or owner can't pay her mortgage. Now the banks are stuck. Like so it's it's scary times in a sense. So I'm I'm really I don't want to say uh, I'm not conscious of it. And, um, you know, so so I really feel for what's going on right now. And so with the NFL, you know, we get engulfed in it and just laser focused because it's what we love and we enjoy covering it and watching it. Uh, But it is hard to see all these big contracts going out where every day citizens are trying to just make it to (laughs) tomorrow,
2: to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's sort of what pro football talk was saying when they said, you know, the NFL is making a mistake here. Um, you know, because of the optics of it, people making a lot of money while some people are, you know, uh, understandably nervous about what's going to happen. And I think from our perspective, hopefully you guys agree. I mean, for me, it's like as long as it's clear that we're cognizant of and hopefully uh you know sympathetic towards people who are struggling right now, you know. We're we're trying to be and the league is trying to be, I think, a release from some of these you know, anxious times, you know, and that I think that's the only thing that keeps me you know, thinking, like, OK, this is fine. You know, this is OK, because I do think people if it's only for a few hours, right, that you can take your mind off of some of these things. I think it's uh, I think it's valuable. And I think that that's what really what content is for is to, you know, sort of provide a release from, you know, the real world stuff
1: that people have to go through. Yeah, I agree. If it keeps a few more people inside instead of yeah, that's true. go to a bar to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, then I think that I think it's one. I really do wonder what the downstream effects are in terms of, you know, are you going to get players physicals done before Wednesday? And if so, how are you going to do that? Right. I mean, I'm not sending uh, you, you should not be sending a player to a hospital right now to get a physical. You should not be putting them on an airplane. Uh, even if it's a private jet where, I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? Is you're not doing things that are not essential because you could get that, you know, that pilot could have it, that there's a stewardess or an, a flight attendant on the, on the plane, all of those things. Um, it seems like that is unnecessary. And so that opens a whole can of worms. I, I think it will be interesting to watch going forward. Uh, I've got I, I think I've got uh, nothing left on the docket unless you guys have anything we we miss.
0: No, I mean, it, well, it's funny you bring up those physicals. I know when I signed with the Cincinnati Bengals during that lockout, it was basically agreed upon two year deal. But I had to pass my physical first. And I remember going in there, the Bengals just went through some years prior about someone's ankle and passed the physical, but they weren't really healthy. So this doc was like over checking me and he kept messing. (laughs) He kept messing with my hip and I'm like, dude, I've never had issues with my hip. What? And he's like, we need an X-ray on it. We need to do and I'm getting all nervous. Like I seriously have never had an injury to my hip. What are you talking about? And um, so it is kind of scary at times, especially when you're talking about big money that these, these teams are signing these guys to. You want to make sure they're healthy and no lingering issues.
1: Um, so you bring up a great point, George. Is is how do they get that done? Be interesting to see. I'm going to go purchase my 49ers Henry Ruggs uh, the third jersey.
2: I thought it, you know, I thought you out. were. Well, here can we end on this? Would you trade Jimmy G and 13 for Burrow?
1: Oh man. Um. No. Okay. I mean
2: it's reasonable. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not
0: point. either. I'm not either just because I, I want the veteran that's been around a little bit. Um, and I'm not going there yet, but that's, that's not a bad thought. Yeah.
1: That is super interesting. All right. Well, we'll let people ponder that Bruce. We appreciate it, brother. Stay safe. And Guys, uh, we'll thank you. A Always a pleasure. Take care.
0: Um,